Welcome to the Prism Lighthouse Podcast with me, Ali Petrovka. This is your space to explore your spirituality. Let's dive right in. Welcome everybody to the Prism Lighthouse Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. Today I am joined by one of my good friends, Tiffany Len. Tiffany is a mental health advocate who empowers others to be gentle with themselves while breaking out of bad habits and old mindsets that no longer serve them and to replace those with healthier and happier ones. Thank you so much for being here, Tiffany. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Ruby is joining us, I think. (laughs) Perfect. I love it. I love when animals join in. They always seem to like know as soon as you start something, they're like, I'm here. Hello. Don't forget about me. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm super excited to have you on the podcast and share your story. I have known you for quite a few years. We've worked together in the past and our friendship grew out of that. So I've got to have kind of a front row seat to your expansion and your personal journey through life. And it has been so inspiring for me to watch. And that's why you were one of my first thoughts of who I was going to bring on for this new season of the podcast, because I just feel like you have, there's so many people who are going to be inspired by the path that you've been on in your life and your consistent dedication to yourself you're a Taurus so that probably comes like fairly natural to you more than it does to me um but I yeah I just know that like so many people are going to be inspired by your life story and how much self-commitment you have and like of course we all life is an endless journey of growth so you have so much more to experience from here but where you're at now is so beautiful and i'm so proud of you i tell you that and i don't think i can ever tell you enough like how proud i am of you thank you that means so much to me so can you share a bit about your journey and yourself um with the community Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, I just want to say, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this and to hear my story and to hear this conversation between Ali and I. um, It means a lot. Um, Yeah. So as Ali said, my name is Tiffany. I am 25 years old and I'm living in Brandon, Manitoba right now. I'm just going to dive right in with the mental health aspect and let you all know that yesterday I made a decision to come off one of my medications um, and that was a medication for ADHD. So it's expected that my mood is about, is going to be a little all over the place right now. So I'm definitely feeling it today and I'm feeling a little off, but um, I think that is actually the perfect reason to do this podcast and to talk about mental health and to talk about the realities of it. So yeah, even though I feel a little unlike myself today, I think that that is all the more reason to do this and to talk about my story and share this with you guys and just kind of how I push through those times and how I carry forward and how I'm gentle with myself, even when I am struggling. Um, so I am from Halifax, Nova Scotia. I moved to Manitoba about four years ago with my ex-partner and 
that relationship went south very fast once we lived with one another. I was struggling with substance abuse at the time, as was my partner. And neither of us, I think at that time, were very much ready for help. I know that I definitely wasn't ready for help. And this was around the same time that my stepfather had recently passed away from addiction. So it was a very difficult time in my life. And when my partner and I split, I had to really ask myself whether or not I wanted to stay in Manitoba where I had nothing and I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any furniture. I had nothing at that time. But to me, staying in Manitoba was better than going back to Nova Scotia because that was just a place where a lot of triggers lied and a lot of healing that I hadn't yet done. Um, it was just very, it just felt very right for me to stay in Manitoba, even though I had nothing here. It felt like the right decision to do. And four years later, I can truly say that even though there are obviously still hard days that I am the happiest and healthiest version of myself. Um, I think I'm the most independent that I've ever been. And it's just really strange to me because this is never a place that I thought that I would be four years ago. So yeah, so again, just diving back into my substance abuse, I, I did a lot of <laughs> drinking was a big one for me and cocaine was something that I used often as well. And I often get asked like why I used substances or like what kind of what they did for me. And it's, it's a hard question to answer just because I think that there was a lot of reasons and whether it was to focus more or to be more productive or to achieve more, or to be more social or to just kind of be this person that I felt that I needed to be for other people. Um, so that was a big, a big part of it. And it's weird because now I work in a rehabilitation center, which is a place that I used to go for help. And I remember my first day of work running into my counselor and her being like, is everything okay? Like, are you I, like, I thought you were sober. I thought everything was good. And me being like, yeah, I actually just work here now. So it's crazy how, how those things shift. And I think it's important to note that as someone who works in a, in an addiction center, a lot of, a lot of our program is based on a spiritual awakening and having that being a part of your journey to sobriety. And it's something that I never believed in. And now looking at it and having that spiritual connection with myself, I truly believe that that had a huge impact on my sobriety. And it's different for everyone, but I've seen over and over again, the spiritual awakening part be a big part of people finding that inner peace with themselves and being able to sit with those difficult emotions that you once tried to block out by using those substances. And I just think that's really beautiful. And it's something that I'm very proud of myself um, for accomplishing and getting this far and to being where I am now. Thank you. I have to thank you for being so honest with your journey. And I think it's important for people to hear whether they're experiencing it themselves to be able to say like, I'm not alone. Like I'm not the only person to experience this or for anyone listening who knows someone who has a similar experience um, to kind of get a little bit more insight. Can sometimes 
when we're in the middle of something, it can be really hard to share that, especially with some of the people who are closest to us. So thank you so much for being so honest with your experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you kind of, maybe you had a little bit of that intuition before you even started your spiritual journey, like that gut feeling that you were just meant to stay in Manitoba because something was going to happen. There was someone here that you were meant to meet. There was experiences here you were meant to have, and you just kind of knew that this is where you were meant to stay for a little while at least. Yeah. And it's so strange. I've changed so much. I used to be the most probably extroverted person ever a little like, (laughs) yeah, I was very much extroverted in high school. And when I lived in Nova Scotia, and I think a lot of that may, may have to do with the alcohol and the cocaine that I was using. (laughs) Um, but now I feel like I am definitely an introvert. Like, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love human connection, but now that I've had this time with myself and I was kind of, I, for lack of better words, I feel like I was kind of forced just to grow up and to, to have that time alone with myself. And I made this decision to stay here. So it's weird because I've learned so much about myself and I've realized that when I feel my best is usually actually when I have that time alone. And when I have that time to recharge, like, especially when it's in nature with animals or Turtling and just so many different type of practices and coping mechanisms that I've got under my boat now. It's just, it's weird. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I find the terms like introvert and extrovert. So interesting. I almost feel like we're starting to kind of move away from them as more people are on this path of like self-expansion and self-awareness. I think we realize that we all do need some degree of, alone time and connection with self. I know um, I just spent the weekend, so it's Tuesday now, so I spent like the last four days off of social media and I'm like, oh, this is what my thoughts are like when I'm not constantly being influenced by other people, you know? And even if it's not like, even if it's just conversations with people you love, we're still being influenced subconsciously. So finding that alone time I think is so important, especially for like parts of your journey and for other people's journeys where it's a pivotal shift, like having that time alone in a way that feels healthy and safe is important to discover like what's next. Yeah, 100%. I, something I've kind of, and I think it's crazy that I didn't realize this sooner about myself almost, but I'm very much an empath um, and working in mental health and kind of with um, everything else I do, I feel other people's pain and emotions and whatever it is, I feel it very, very deeply. So yeah, with the, with the social media topic and just the constant kind of influences of everything. It's really like important, I think, for me to take a step back sometimes and kind of set those boundaries with myself and with others um, just to have that alone time and have that time alone to reprocess and recharge and just feel grounded with myself again because I feel like so often I'm being pulled in so many different directions. 
Mm-hmm. And as an empath in the line of work that you do, do you have anything that you, any practices that you kind of go to or rely on to help you set those boundaries or have that decompression time or just kind of like check in with yourself? Yeah. So this was something that I struggled immensely with when I first started working in the mental health field. So I've been working in the mental health field for only about four years now. And before I was at the rehabilitation center I'm at now, I was working with um, level five youth, which is just um, essentially just a term for like high risk youth that have very traumatic backgrounds. And they reminded me so much of myself <laughs> that it, 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 it was a large reason of why I actually had to leave the job was because I struggled with those boundaries for so long that I have now. So I think that what's really important to me is I find that, that working in this field, a lot of the time people that I work with say, well, you just desensitize from it eventually. And that's not something I want to do. I don't want to desensitize from it because I think mm-hmm. that's where the problem lies. And I think that's where people don't get the adequate care that they deserve and that they are worthy of. So I don't want to desensitize from it. I want to feel it. I want to feel um, the pain and the experiences of my patients or my clients, because I feel like that's when I can really help them. And that's when I really connect with them. So what's important for me, I think, and not even just in a working atmosphere, but just in my own personal relationships is that I also struggle with mental health. And I also struggle a lot with the things that I help other people with on a day-to-day basis. So something as, I guess, simple, but not simple as saying, you know, I want to help you, but I can't right now. Or I want to make you feel better, but I need to take care of me first. Mm -hmm. Just having those boundaries and respecting that I'm a human being. And yes, I love to help people. And that is something that is very dear to my heart and something that I'm very passionate about. But knowing and honoring when I feel overloaded and knowing that I need to put myself first. And if I'm not taking the best care of me, that that doesn't only affect, you know, my well-being, but it also affects the people that I'm trying to help because it's such a, I feel like it's almost a cliche term that you can't pour from an empty cup, but it's, it's so, it's so true. And you really do thrive and, and grow, I think, when you put yourself first and you put your needs first and you make sure that you are taken care of before you try to serve others. Mm -hmm. That is so admirable that you don't want to desensitize because I think you're so right. That's where a lot of the, the troubles in our mental health system come from. People start to tune out and don't see the people as people anymore. They just see them as problems to fix or problems to ignore or hide and for you to say I don't want to desensitize so I am going to take care of myself is like the quote of the call like that is it Um, because I think anybody can relate to that on some level whether it's you know a loved one that you're giving care to or a child or a stepchild or a friend like i know in my own life there's 
a number of people where it's like, I have to, I want to care for you. I want to give you care, but I need to take care of myself first and setting those boundaries and saying, well, you know, this person, maybe I can only speak to them once a month because the level of care that I have left over, that's all there is, you know? Yeah. And it's like this, this mindset really comes from like my own experience. I remember when I was actively using cocaine and it it was at my worst, um, after my, my dad had overdosed. Um, but I remember one morning it was 6am and it, I had been using all night and I had been using alone. Um, and that was something shame or or oh sorry we just froze um the last thing I heard you say was you were using alone okay yeah so it was it was at about 6 a.m and I had been using alone all night so which was something that I often did but I remember I was in a very dark spot and I had called my sister at 6 a.m because I had gotten to the point where I didn't want to fight anymore I was ready to go and I wanted to take my own life. And my sister is my anchor, I guess. Like she is the reason that I think I'm still here today because the love that I have for her is insane. Um, And I called her and I said, you know, I'm feeling this way, but I don't want to act on it. I need to go to the emergency. I need to get help. And I remember saying to her on the drive there that you know, they're just going to give me a prescription and send me on my way. They're like, they're not going to really do much for me. And it's very sad. And I hate to say it, but six hours later, I was right. And, and that's what happened. I was given a prescription and a wave goodbye. There was no follow-up. There was no real consult by any means. And now I am in school for psychiatric nursing and a large part of that is because of that experience and because I never ever want somebody like me or anyone struggling with mental health or whatever it is to leave me feeling the way that I felt that day. I never want that to happen. So that's a huge, huge piece of it. And it goes hand in hand with the not wanting to be desensitized because I do think that the person that I dealt with that day was desensitized. And I was just another person on the list and another patient to get out to get the next person in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a shame that that is a story that a lot of people can, can see in their own life. And it's beautiful that there's humans like you who are choosing to go into line of work that they can really change something and it's going to be a hard road I'm sure but you have the strength and you have the practices and you have the love behind you that can be the fuel for that fire absolutely and like as working in the field and it's it's nothing against you know older older generations but I think our generation and younger generations are starting to kind of put their foot in their door a lot more and not stand for things that used to be kind of ignored. Like Mm -hmm. so many people say that our generation is too sensitive, but I think our generation just doesn't put up with the bullshit that many generations before us did. So it gives me a lot of hope as, you know, a 25 year old entering the mental health field, 
working with people, you know, in my age group that have this fresh perspective and have this, you know, we're not standing for that. We're not letting that slide anymore. Like this, this way of speaking is not okay anymore. So I find that very hopeful and it gives me a lot of faith in years to come and the transitions and changes I think we'll see in the mental health system going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that we're like too sensitive. It's just that we're not desensitized. Like we actually feel something <laughs> we haven't been taught. Well, and that's the thing. I think many of us have been taught to push down our emotions, but at some point in our life, fairly young, like in late teens or early twenties, we learned that that's not the way it has to be. And there's other paths to go. Yeah, absolutely. Like anything, if you push anything down too much, eventually it's going to boil over. And I think that we're the the generation that's not letting that happen anymore. So. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So you mentioned earlier that in the program where you work, there's a, a spiritual aspect to it. Was that how you were kind of introduced into a more spiritual um, path or how did you begin your spiritual journey? Um, It's weird because I can't say that there's really a specific moment that comes to mind when I think of like when I started my spiritual journey. It's more of like a thought and a feeling. And I think that that is when I started to look at spirituality as really just like having a deeper connection within rather than like a type of specific practice. Like I looked at spirituality as something that was like crystals or tarot readings. And like, I thought that that's all that there was to it. And while I think that those are very like beautiful things, they're not necessarily like a huge part in my spiritual journey. Like for me, my spiritual journey is just having a sense of connection with something that's bigger than myself Mm. and feeling, yeah, feeling more connected to my mind and my body than I ever have. It's not really a specific practice, but it's more so just listening to what my body and my mind are trying to tell me um, and, and hearing it and honoring that. And yeah, I spent a significant amount of my like adolescent years, like numbing my thoughts and needs and emotions with alcohol and with drugs. And I think it was because I was scared of looking within and I was scared of kind of looking at those things that I needed to. And spirituality was just something that I wasn't really ever exposed to or like encouraged to look into until my early twenties. And honestly, when I think of my spiritual journey and And when it started, a lot of it has to do with you, Allie. (laughs) Um, And I don't know. I never really was a person that thought like people come into your life for a reason or I I I never thought that way. I thought it was it was bullshit, quite, quite frankly. (laughs) But looking back at the decision to stay in Manitoba and the people that I've met and the growth that I've made and meeting you is a is a big part of that. And I've told you this so many times that I don't think I would have gotten here in my spiritual journey if it weren't for you. Um, but I do think that you were, you were a big part of that. And yeah, it's something that I will appreciate forever. Well, thank you so much. It's truly my honor to 
plant little seeds in the world <laughs> and and then you grow into what you're meant to be and i think you really have your your finger on the pulse of like the present and the future of spirituality is it's not just crystals it's not just tarot it's that connection to something bigger it's that connection to self like either your physical self or your emotional self or your spiritual self like it can be literally whatever you want it to be and that's something that's a big conversation that i have with my clients uh, at the rehabilitation center is some people come in and you know they don't believe in in a higher power like that doesn't sit well with them and the 12 steps are like religious based. Um, and when I, when I have those groups and I have those conversations, I try and explain a higher power as not really like a specific thing, but more so as a feeling. So something that gives you strength and something that empowers you and something that gives you love and safety. And sometimes I'll say to my clients, your, your higher power could be your kids. Your higher mm -hmm. power could be nature it could be the ocean it could be it can be whatever you want it to be and i think that that's something that sits well with them and i think that that is when they really start to look at that spiritual awakening piece of their recovery mm -hmm. yeah that's a beautiful point yeah so many people have grown up with like a very divisive and like hateful idea of what a quote unquote higher power is. So to be able to, you know, it could be nature, it could be your family, it could be your kids, whatever. That's such a beautiful way to like transform it in their mind so they can at least open the door, you know, have a little bit of inquisitive mind to what else there could be for them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so as someone who has experienced mental health in your past, do you feel like you're well represented in the spiritual and personal development kind of circles that were kind of in the forefront right now? Um, I feel like that is a tricky question because when I look at mental health, um, I feel like there's just, there's no really like one size fits all for mental health. So like an example would be, I am diagnosed with a borderline personality disorder. Um, however, there are lots of people who are diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And although we are all diagnosed with the same thing, I don't think that any of us suffer the same way. Mm -hmm. So I think that, yes, there are like commonalities like amongst mental illnesses, but I think the way that they show up in each person is very different. So sometimes it's difficult to really represent that in any type of spiritual or personal growth um, circle. So sometimes I feel that as someone who struggles with mental health, um, that I'm expected to always perform the way as someone who doesn't. Mm -hmm. And even though I've come a really I've come a very long way in my mental health journey and I've, I've done a lot of work there, but there are still times that my mental health is very much prevalent and very present. And I think that sometimes because of how much I've grown, people don't expect me to still have those. I, I don't even want to call them setbacks. I want to call them breakthroughs, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but when I have those breakthroughs, I think people don't expect me to have them anymore because I've gotten to a better place. Um, but 
I think it's, yeah, I think it, I think that's a difficult question for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the reason I asked it is because I think that there's, and we're kind of moving out of it, but within spirituality and personal development, I do think there's still like this quite linear pathway, like you described, like, oh, well, you're quote unquote better. Yeah. So you shouldn't behave that way anymore. Um, or like, well, you finished this 30 day challenge. So now you should never struggle with that thing again. And and that's we're human beings. Like you said, we're humans, like we're not robots. Like you could have yeah. something and, you know, 20 years later, it can come back up and you're like, oh shit, I thought I dealt with that already. Yeah. And I think, I think the most, I think one of the best ways to, you know, make people who struggle with mental health feel validated and feel represented in these types of circles um, is just to not necessarily put a specific term on a, on a mental health problem, but really just, you know, validate that those feelings and those thoughts and those behaviors are still going to creep up sometimes and that that's not a setback and it doesn't make you less than, and it doesn't take away from how far you've come by any means. And just that, you know, it's okay to feel those things and it's okay to still feel pain sometimes. And that as human beings, we're not meant to feel happy all the time just like we're not meant to feel sad or we're meant to feel angry all the time. Like these are just emotions and they're just feelings and they're just thoughts and they will pass. Um, and to just, you know, let people feel those things and think those things without trying to fix them. Because sometimes mm-hmm. I think people just need to, like for me personally, I think that sometimes I just need people to know how I'm feeling without trying to fix it or without trying to say, oh, you know, just go meditate you'll be fine. Mm. Like that, I like that is, that's something that's happened to me many times. And I don't like that. And I don't necessarily think it's the right route to go for me. Um, And I think it's really important to feel those things. So you can work through them. Definitely. Yes, you said so much there. Um, First, like, I think for a long time, like the personal development world, spiritual world had this create like this large focus on the goal is happy and like now i think we realize that the goal is not happy it's present it's aware it's feeling all the emotions without dismissing them and then you brought up like spiritual bypassing and we we've talked about this before i taught a workshop in your community yeah. About spiritual bypassing a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I guess this could kind of also lead into the other question, the next question that I had for you, um, which is, have you experienced anything in your own journey that felt harmful to you? And, you know, being told to just go meditate is an example of spiritual bypassing and how it, it, um, dismisses your human experience yeah so yeah I guess like again on the meditation thing is like I feel like that's almost just invalidating what somebody is going through Mm -hmm. um and I find there's a lot of this like you know you get to decide how happy you are or you get to choose like how happy you are and like well I think that that's true for me to to an extent like yes I get to decide how well I take care of myself while I'm suffering um Mm. but also 
Yeah. <laughs> but, but also it's important to note that like, you know, mental health is a real problem. It's a real sickness. And sometimes like the best someone can do is just stay alive that day. And that's enough. Like mm-hmm. that's enough. So yes, well, I, I, I do agree that, um, to an extent you get to decide how well you take care of yourself when you're suffering. It's also just important um, not to make people feel like if they can't get out of bed that day, or if they, you know, can't do whatever obligation that they have, that that doesn't mean that they're less than, or that they're, they're not enough. So I think that that's something I've come across often is as someone who struggles with mental health um, very much is that I'm expected to behave as someone who doesn't, um, and yeah, I think that, uh, that is a difficult thing that I've come across. Mm-hmm. I love that, that you are in charge or you're able to choose how well you take care of yourself on that day. Cause yeah, I've, I've felt that in myself often. Like I would say like at least weekly where it's like, Oh, I'm not in a great mood today. Like there's something wrong with me. Like I need to be fixed. I'm not trying hard enough and I'm not a robot, <laughs> you know, like we can't be expected to show up every single day in the exact same capacity because that's just, it's just impossible. So we yeah. need to just stop forcing that onto each other. And I think it comes from people who are unwilling to accept that within themselves force it onto others to be like oh well you're the problem not me um but yeah the way to get through it is to accept it within ourselves and then to allow others to be that way yeah and i think like so many of us like myself included i sometimes forget that like rest is productive too like (laughs) resting is productive taking that time for yourself is also productive and i think that like I personally am so exposed to like this, like hustle mentality where I need to do more or achieve more or be more to be worthy or to be, you know, to feel good about myself sometimes. And I just think that that's not a mentality that I want to project to people. And it's not a mentality that I carry. And I think that it's very important to know and to understand that rest is extremely productive and like, it's okay to take breaks and it's okay to say no. And it's okay to have that time for yourself when you need it, because we Mm -hmm. all need it, whether you, whether we admit it to ourselves or not, I think that that's something that we all need is, is just rest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of someone I know who like, makes excuses for why they're resting. And I'm like, I don't care, dude. You you can watch TV all day. Like, you don't have to defend yourself to me. But they're not. They're defending themselves to their self. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of in the... I'm, like, playing around with this idea. And I do this a lot. Like, I entertain multiple ideas all at once and just see how they go. Um of like not needing to rest to become more productive. And it's something I see a lot in directed towards mothers, like take care of yourself so that you can take care of your kids. And I'm like, take care of yourself just because you fucking deserve to take care of yourself. 
Like, why does it have to still be in service of someone else? You know, it's in service of you. That's enough. But we're so taught. I think everybody, I don't even think it's like, oh, women, but I honestly think everybody is just taught to like, put yourself last. Yeah. Put yourself on the back burner. Mm hmm. Yeah. And even now for myself, so I'm like, oh, well, I take care of my partner. I take care of my stepson and I take care of my dad. And I'm like, no, I should be at the top of that list, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I still kind of give myself like the last quarter and it's like, no, you get the first 75% or a hundred percent if that's what it is that day. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So do you have any practices that seem to have the largest impact on you? Yeah. So I think we've kind of touched on, on most of them, but I think that something that's very important to me and just in regards to kind of going back to that, like hustle mentality and that like rest is not productive mentality that I feel is so prominent in society nowadays. Something that I like to do every single day is just to pour into me first. So I find so often I wake up and I start thinking of all of the things I have to do. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like literally deeming myself as like inadequate or like behind in my day before my feet even touch the floor. And I'm like, what the fuck? Slow down. It's nine o'clock in the morning or whatever time. And just breathe for a second. So I think Thank you for saying <laughs> that because I do that every day. Like this morning, I wasn't even fully awake. And I was like, oh, I have to message Tiffany about this. And I'm like, girl, you're not even like awake yet. Calm down. Yeah, no, it's 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 true. So something I've been trying to practice more of is just doing something for me first, which is very difficult some days. But even if it's just, you know, giving myself a glass of water before I check my phone. Like in this COVID world, I feel like I'm so much like, where's my phone all the time? Like, what's everyone doing? Like, how's everyone doing? Like, it's just like in my nature now almost to just be constantly checking my phone and I need to like check myself and take time away from that. So yeah, I think doing something for me first thing in the morning, like even if it's just getting up 10 minutes earlier to have that time to just be quiet and like, just mindfully pay attention to brushing my teeth or paying attention to drinking water in the morning or, you know, looking outside before looking at my phone, like those simple small practices of being mindful and just taking in the present, I think really helped me slow down and really Mm -hmm. helped me with my anxiety. Um, And then just having that like daily quiet time, like I need daily quiet time. I cannot function without having quiet time every single day, which is, I don't know if that's just with my introvertedness or my empathness or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. I just need it. Um, So I think that that's something that's very important to me. And then boundaries. Boundaries, I would say, are one of the big ones for me because it's something that, you know, at a young age, I was having to take care of my parents or having to take care of myself more than a child really should have. And just setting those boundaries and honoring those when I set them and keeping them intact, even when people push back on them, because that's inevitable. When you set boundaries, 
people are going to push back on them. Mm-hmm. This is me telling you to fucking accept them anyway for your own sanity. Um, and then I think just nature and yoga has actually been something that's really helped me because mm-hmm. I find when I am practicing yoga, I'm so mindful of what I'm doing and what my body's doing that it's kind of hard to focus on anything else. So that's something that definitely helps me slow down. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And do, do your daily practices change? Like, oh, so, okay, I'll say it this way. So for myself, like I'm a Sagittarius, I like get bored really easily. I'm very like in tune with what's happening like cosmically. So if I set myself like a 21 day challenge, like I'm setting myself up to fail basically. So I stopped doing them a long, long time ago for that reason. Um, so do you find that you flourish when you kind of know what you're going to do each day, or do you kind of wait to see how you feel that day and then pick from your toolbox? I think I used to be somebody who tried to be like, this is my morning routine. This is my afternoon routine. This is my evening routine. And it doesn't work for me because I was falling so deeply into that all or nothing mindset that if I didn't do, you know, my morning routine, then fuck my evening routine because my day is already ruined and my week's ruined now and my month's ruined. And I might as well not do anything to take care of myself because I fucking ruined my day by not waking up and doing my personal development reading. Mm -hmm. So I think that I needed to kind of let go of like the strictness that I was placing on the practices that I loved and just kind of doing them when they felt good and not kind of doing like I almost was doing my self-care pieces in a way that they felt more like a punishment mm-hmm. and they started to feel like things that I didn't love anymore. They started to feel more like a chore. And that's when I really had to take a step back and just started to do, you know, what felt good for me at that time. And like, I think that's something that's different for everyone. Some people thrive in having that routine. Some people thrive in having those, you know, 21 day challenges. But for me, like, that's not how I thrive. I thrive by listening to what I need that day. Because again, just going back to my mental health, it changes and it's unpredictable. And what I need today might be completely different than what I need tonight or Mm -hmm. what I need tomorrow. So I don't get so fixated on, (laughs) I don't get so fixated on when I do these things, but more so just how I feel each day. Mm, I love that you said that. And I, so connect with that. And I wonder, you know, I'm just throwing this out there, just wondering, not saying it's true, but I wonder if those like super structured self-care practices are a form of spiritual bypassing because it kind of shifts us into that robot linear you should show up the same way every single day. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you kind of structure. Yeah, 100%. And as someone who, like I have my own online wellness community and there are multiple surrounding me. And I think that that's something that's very prevalent is, you know, if you don't do your workout today or if you don't do this today, then like you're, you, you're just not motivated enough or you're just not driven enough or you just mm-hmm. don't care. And it's like, no, that's bullshit. I'm just a human being who sometimes needs rest and sometimes my days look differently and that's completely okay. Mm-hmm. I love 
is that you're sharing that message for myself it's the like the hardest on like Instagram um I would say social media but Instagram is the only social media that I go on um but is those like super beautiful curated like self-care practices and having to remind myself that like it that is just a snippet of someone's day you know how many people like take the picture and then don't even do the practice or the pictures from three weeks ago or they feel pressure to show up a certain way so they're putting that out there and then i perceive it in whatever way and it just like no matter how much we try to connect on social media like just sitting down here talking to you, I'm like, shit, I miss sitting down and talking to Tiffany, you know, because like where we live, we can't just get together and go hang out or and like our lifestyles and everything, it makes it difficult. So like, there's just so much of that disconnection and that lack of like honesty and empathy and and just be like, hey, I'm a person. <laughs> and this is the way it is. And it's yeah, like, I had to, I had to check myself a few months ago because I was falling into the mentality. And I feel like that was something that I was kind of embodying was that, you know, if you don't do these things, like you're lazy or whatever. And it was something that I, I caught myself doing. And I think a lot of it was just, you know, like what I was consuming. And like, I think Instagram, like especially can be, it can be a great thing and it can be a bad thing depending on what you're consuming and, Mm -hmm who you're placing your, I guess, how can I word this? How you define your own worth. And I think a lot of people define their own worth by their productivity. Mm-hmm. It's not determined by your productivity. Yes, a hundred percent. I agree with you. And that's such bringing up like what you're consuming on social media like that's so important because so many of these like no one's explicitly saying if you don't do yoga every day you're not worthy no one's saying those words but it's the subtext of so much and i don't think anybody does it on purpose or they're even aware that they're doing it, but it's the same reason why I had to leave manifestation communities for like three years. And then it's the same reason that I left, like I unfollowed almost every single business coach except for like three, because it was the subtext of everything was like, well, if you're not doing this, if you're not manifesting instantly, if you're not selling this much every month, you're not trying hard enough. You're not doing enough. You're not good enough. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something like I try to, and like in my online business, I try and make sure to the best that I can that, you know, my people are taking care of them, of themselves first before they're trying to take care of their clients or whoever else they're trying to help. Mm-hmm. And in my own experience, like just this morning, I sent out a few emails and I was like, just letting you know that I know that I'm de- late on delivering this to you, but I just needed to spend the weekend with myself and with my partner and like replenish. And if I didn't, the work I would have sent you would have been shit anyways. And I don't want to do that either. And like, I have that with everyone I work with. It's like this 
you know, we're human. If something comes up, please try to give me as much notice as possible. But if you message me five minutes before and say you need to reschedule, like not a big deal because I'd rather you show up and give me your best than force it and like half-ass something, you know, like there's, there's another tomorrow. We can fit it in some other time. And I believe for myself, everything happens for a reason. So like, if we didn't do it today, there's a reason. I love that. And I agree with that very much. Mm -hmm. So you have been in therapy for a little while. And I just wanted to talk about this, even though it's not necessarily like spiritual related. I love that you normalize therapy. And I think that is so important that And I think it's happening like macro scale as well that people are just like, oh, yeah, my therapist or, oh, I can't make it to the hangout. I have therapy. You know, it's just to prioritize mental health and self-care and emotional health. Um, So maybe you could just share with us, like, what are some of your biggest takeaways from your experience in therapy? And, And I know this was on the list of questions I sent you, but like, why is it important to you to normalize therapy? I think that a lot of people look at therapy as something that is like a last resort or like mm. something you do when you hit rock bottom, when that, that's not what it needs to be or that's not what it should be. I think that everyone can benefit from therapy because it's just an unbiased conversation and an unbiased person to bounce ideas and thoughts and feelings off of that you might or like not be able to necessarily get from people in your life that know a bit more about those experiences. Um, So for me personally, like therapy was a lot of trial and error. Like there were a lot of people that I met that I didn't feel connected to. And I just tried to force it. um, Because Unfortunately, often therapy wait lists can be quite long. Um, so yeah, I would try and force it with whoever I got. And I think that tainted therapy a bit for me. Mm-hmm. And for a while, I stepped away from it because I didn't think that it was going to work for me. But really, it was just that I was trying to connect with people that I couldn't connect with. And something that I've realized now is I had a lot of female therapists. And I've realized now that I actually connect better with male therapists and I'm still working through why that is. Um, I'm thinking it's just because of my poor relationship with my mother. And I think it's deeply rooted in that. And I just haven't quite uncovered all of that yet, but I personally have just learned that for me, I just connect better with male therapists. So I had stepped away from it for a few years, And in November, I had a friend that introduced me to her therapist and he has been incredible for me. He pushes me, but like just the right amount to try new things and to talk about things. And there have been times where I've messaged him and just said, you know, my anxiety is too bad to do therapy today. And he'll say, you know, like, how about we just talk for five minutes? And if you don't want to, we'll stop there. Um, but then he'll also say, you know, it's okay if you don't want to do that too. And I'll usually be like, okay, you know, I can do five minutes and this breakdown that I feel like I'm in at that time ends up being a breakthrough. Hmm. Yeah. I think that therapy has been something that's been incredible for me. 
something that I've tried recently that I would say has been my biggest takeaway that I knew nothing about is called EMDR therapy, which is essentially it's therapy for trauma. Um, but it doesn't involve as much talking as like cognitive behavioral therapy would like it falls under DBT type of therapy. So I guess, for example, the first experience I did with him was regarding my sexual assault. And as I said, I worked at child and family services and I was sexually assaulted when I was 15. And it was something that I never acknowledged that it happened. And I thought it was my fault because I was intoxicated. And then I had a youth that I worked with and cared about very deeply who had a similar experience. And that was when I realized that what happened to me was wrong. And I opened up to him about it. And he said, you know, have you ever heard of EMDR therapy? And it stands for eye movement, rapid desensitization, I believe. And essentially what he did was he had me bring up the most painful image that I could think of of that assault. And he would just tap because we had to do it through Zoom. And he would just tap and my eyes would go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then we would take breaks and he would get me to just take a deep breath and kind of acknowledge how I was feeling. And we would just keep going until that painful memory went from 10 to two. Mm -hmm. So the goal usually is to try and get it to zero. I don't believe that you can always get painful memories to zero. <laughs> and this sexual assault was definitely not one I could get to zero, but I think, you know, a takeaway is just to be open-minded to what your therapist says um, and just be open to trying new things um, when you're ready. Because I talked to him for months before I was ready to try this new practice. And now it's something that, you know, we do almost every session and we've actually created a timeline of like my traumatic events now. And we, you know, pinpoint those things. And sometimes we do EMDR in a specific, specific event and like, three other things come up that I need to work through. And yeah, so that has been something that's, that's been really good for me. Thank you so much for sharing that experience with us. I think you brought up a couple really important things. Like one, don't just write off the first person you talk to just because you don't connect with them. Like any relationship, you know, you don't, you're not friends with everybody. So we can't expect every therapist to get us or for us to feel comfortable with them. Cause like you said, there can be some underlying things that make us feel uncomfortable around and opening up to certain people. And um, that there's so many different types of therapy. So just because you try to talk therapy, that doesn't mean that this other type isn't going to work for you or vice versa. You know, it's a, it's a journey within itself. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it can be a difficult journey, but it's definitely one that I would recommend everyone takes because I think it's one that is worthwhile. Mm -hmm. I would honestly love to see therapy like the dentist. Like you start going when you're three, like you're just, you know, coloring, whatever. And it just becomes, you know, not as scary as the dentist, maybe, you know, let's say like the massage therapist, you know, like, it's just something that you start when you're a kid and it's part of our, our health system and it just is normalized and it becomes something that 
we all do throughout our entire life. Because like you said, like just having that person who's unbiased, they're neutral, they're not there to quote unquote fix you, but they're not there to just necessarily listen either. They're kind of this like in between where they're like, like you said, they gently nudge you out of your comfort zone, but they don't force you into anything you're not comfortable with. Like we all need that. <laughs> and I, I agree with that because a lot of my, like what I've had to work most on is like emotional regulation. Like I, when I get mad, like I get so fucking mad or when I get sad like I get extremely sad like it's like a very like black and white way of thinking and I think that a lot of that comes from being a young child who was neglected and not learning how to regulate my emotions then not learning that those Mm -hmm. things were okay and that stuff now carrying over to my adulthood Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and like we're all raised by parents who are dealing with their own shit. So we get that so, so young and we can't necessarily expect every single parent to know how to help children in these very nuanced type of ways. So if therapy was something that you just went to, like you went to the doctor, you went to the optometrist, then I think our society could advance a whole lot faster than we are right now. And that's where the large gap is, is that physical health and mental health are not treated as the same right now. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Like you said, people think it's a last resort when it's really does not have to be. But for so many people, it is because of the cost. You know, they wait until it's literally the last thing they've tried because everything else is more inexpensive. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do you have any parting words or anything that you wanted to say, but it hasn't come up yet that you want to just share with everybody? Yeah, I think, I think what I want to say here is that, you know, everybody's journey with mental health and spirituality is going to look very different. And something that I wish I had known sooner was that there's no right or wrong way to approach it. Like it's what feels good for you and it's where you are on your path to healing. And just to please know that you don't need to change or fix X, Y, or Z to be worthy of love or for you to be worthy of care or for you to be worthy of therapy or you know, whatever it is that you're going after um, and that you are enough in whatever way that you are right now. And, you know, this conversation has been a lot about my own personal and direct experience with mental health and spirituality. And if you take something from this that resonates with you, then I think that's fantastic. And I think that's beautiful. And I really hope that you do. But if you don't and this doesn't resonate with you and you're just happy to listen to it, like that's okay too your journey might look entirely different than mine. And I think it's just very important that we normalize that even though people have the same type of mental health problems, um, the way that we suffer is not the same. And the things that got us here are not the same. So even though it's very easy to feel alone when you struggle with mental health, um, because partially because people suffer differently than us, that you're not alone and that you are 
always more loved than you think you are. And if you're listening to this, like I read this book, um, God, I can't, it was, it was by Cleo Wade and there's a line in it and it says, I don't have to know you to love you. If people can hate without knowing you, then I can love you without knowing you. And that was something that really struck me. So if you are listening to this and you are struggling right now, please know that I love you. And if you ever need to talk or you want to reach out to me, then I can be an ear for you. Mm, that's such a beautiful message to end with. Thank you so much. And if people want to reach out to you, and I'll put all of these links in the notes for this as well. If people want to reach out to you and connect with you, share their experience with you, tell you that they love you too, or just say hi, like, just be like, hey, listen to the podcast, loved it. Hope you have a good day. How can they do that? Yes, please say hi. I would love to hear from you. Um, so I have an online wellness community called Self Love Club. And this group is kind of just a safe space where you can work on different areas of your well-being. So whether that's personal development, movement, um, nutrition, or just kind of having a group that helps you stay accountable to working on those things. Um, that's something that I run. Um, and it's always open for people to join or people to learn more about. So I've kind of touched on it briefly throughout the podcast. And that's kind of where I've learned a lot of the practices that I, I use today to help keep me afloat. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is just at Tiffany Lunn. Um, I'm sure Ali can put it in the comments for you guys or whatever as well. Um, and if you don't have Instagram, you can message me through email. My email is tiffanylun at outlook.com. And whether it's you wanting to learn more about self-love club or you're just wanting to talk or, you know, you're having a hard time right now and you just need somebody to fucking listen, then feel free to send me a message and we can go from there. I love connecting with people and, you know, I might not respond right away because like I said, I don't always have great days, but I promise that I will always respond. Mm, boundaries in your email and DMs. Yes. We need more of that too. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much, Tiffany, for joining me, for sharing your story in such a honest and beautiful way. I really I know that people are going to connect with it. Like you said, either they can, if they can resonate with it personally, or if they know someone else, or if they just get a little glimpse of like, Hey, I'm not alone. Like that's such a beautiful gift that you offer to the world. And we need more people like you in the world. So I'm so happy that you're leading in the self-love club and just sharing your light and inspiring others to be the most happy and healthy version of themselves whoever that is for them so thank you so much for being here in the world and on the podcast and i will see everybody next time thank you for listening in and i hope you all have a beautiful day thank you so much for joining us in this episode of the prism lighthouse podcast i am deeply grateful that you have chose to spend your precious time and energy with us here if you want to keep this conversation going, join us inside the Spiritual Social Network, an online space where you can explore and express your spirituality, 
be part of a community of like-minded people, attend weekly spiritual events, and make new friends and have more fun. If you're ready to join us, head over to spiritualsocialnetwork.com. It's only $10 a month and your first month is free.